Welcome to Pardon the Confusion. We took a week off, we rested, we got better, we ate too much food, and we're back. So Ernest Watts and I are back for our number 157, 157, Ernest, and we're back to talk about Olympics, um, NBA, and maybe a little bit uh, movie review of Space Jam, the new one. And so, Ernest, what was the best thing you did on vacation? Oh, wow. Uh, Ever since I was a kid... I had seen signs for the Lost Sea uh, in Tennessee, which is a huge, the second largest underground lake in the world. The largest is in uh, Nambia, uh, Africa. And it's one of those things, it's like Rock City. If you're in the south, and you're my age, you saw signs for Sea Rock City in Chattanooga and the Lost Sea. And I coerced my family into taking a short 45-minute trip through the mountains and we went to it and it was just, it was gigantic and it was just awe inspiring. It's seven, it's seven stories down from ground level inside of a mountain. Wow. It's one of the few things that lives up to the hype from your childhood, right? I mean, like as yes. kids, we go like, Oh, this will be great. And then we go, Oh man, it's not as good as, but this did, huh? Yeah. I mean, this is, was really neat. And it's, it's, this. The area that we were in in North Georgia is is pretty much unspoiled. It hasn't been made touristy that much. The problem was it was without a phone for a week, and uh, it was just, just nice to be in isolated and in, in, in nature and everything. Some was, people uh, wouldn't call that a problem, Ernest. I think I know. I will. I my wife wondered how will you survive, and I did, and it was. It was nice. The world moved on. I mean, you know, everything. And it was, I uh, read two very good books. And it was nice time to spend with uh, my son and his family and my wife. It was, uh, we stayed in the Ponderosa, it like. <laughs> I was, you know, Hop Singh was cooking. Were you Big Hoss or were you the. I guess I was, no, I was, I was. Uh, uh, Ben Which Cartwright, Ben Cartwright. Yeah, Ben Cartwright. Which Cartwright are you? That's what you have to. I <laughs> because of my size, I guess I, I think am. that well, just no. automatically classifies us as old people if we know which yeah. Cartwright we are. So I guess I'm Adam. That was uh, Pernell Roberts with the toupee. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm not uh, I'm I'm not the youngest. I'm not that. Yeah, Bonanza. I'll, just look at uh, TV Land. I don't. Is there even TV Land anymore? Anymore? I don't even know. You may have to YouTube it. Yeah, it's old nineteen seventies. That that's uh, what TV shows were Western. ninety minutes long. I know, crazy, right? Wow. Yeah, I mean, you had ninety minutes. That and Wagon Train were ninety minutes long. It was crazy. like little movies every week. Well, but we digress. Yes, we always do. Um, so another day we'll talk about Loki, which I really been enjoying this last week when I had some more time off as well. And I went to the beach and yada, yada, but you know, the world's biggest sporting event every four years or every two years really is the Olympics. Every fifth year. Every, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Even though it says it's 2020 folks, it's really 2021. It's the 2020 Olympics from Tokyo brought to you by five different channels from NBC sports. But this is where I'm going to start with Ernest. I grew up watching tons of Olympic coverage on ABC when they had the main coverage. And then Jim McKay and Chris Schinkel. Yeah, say that five times fast. And then NBC really took it over and it's done great. And then CBS gets in there on the Winter Olympics once in a while as well. But 
this year with all the different streaming services, I was thinking, oh, great, I'm going to have so many ways to look at it. And believe it or not, it's not the main coverage on NBC that I've enjoyed or the the NBC Sports or that or even Peacock. What I've enjoyed the most is what they call the Olympic Channel. I turned it on, and I get it through Sling. But anyways, you can get it, I think, through any streaming service right now. And it is like the Olympic Channel for the world. They show highlights of all the sports, not just the big-name, big-ticket sports. I sat there watching the highlights of weightlifting, handball, fencing, um, three-on-three basketball, skateboarding, softball, swimming. It was all there, and it wasn't just directed toward one market. Like, we get so used to thinking the Olympics are all about the United States. But, man, it was so fascinating to see the Chinese weightlifters. And it felt like wild world of sports again, like I grew up. And and it was really nice. They gave a short explanation, like, for fencing, how it works. And this lady from the United States actually won. And I don't know if you've seen this, but they have a designer N95 mask for the Olympic athletes from the USA, and it looks like a Darth Vader grill on it. Have you seen that one? Yes, yes. It's a little crazy. And if you have Hulu, or it's on Peacock also, they have dedicated streams for a particular sport. So if you just want to watch handball, you hit the little high handball icon, and you can watch tape results or live handball. And of course, now we've got a 11-hour difference between us and Tokyo. Or if you want to watch badminton, you can watch just badminton. It's, it's dedicated. It has stories about all the competitors. It has the live or the tape. So it's it's sectioned off by sport. And that if you want to watch baseball, which you know this is one of the new sports for this particular Olympic, but even when it was part, you didn't see that much. It was a great feature last night on the softball team, which is playing for the gold medal today. And it was going back to the 96 one that won in Atlanta. And it's, you know, you showed the highlights of young Bob Costas. Uh, again, letterboxed video. But you, you can indulge in one particular sport. Now, there, there's two that I have always been fascinated when the Olympics come out. And that's, that's of course, water polo and handball. Because they're, they're team sports and they have such unique rules to themselves. Handball is is... Fascinating. You you just mentioned yourself. You watch some of it. I mean, you take three bounces. There's a. They pretty much play like basketball outside the circle. It's like a sport you played in gymnastics or rec in in high school. Like the gym teacher just comes out. Okay, we're playing handball today, and it's like dodgeball and steroids almost. Dodgeball and water polo and basketball and it has parts and soccer to an extent. It has a little bit of all of it in it in that you can't be offsides, defense can't be in the zone unless they engage with an offensive player. And they try to go to the corners, kind of like basketball does with a short three-pointer, because they can maneuver inside and have more rooms. It, it is, I've, I've, you pick up the nuances. It's the same thing with, you know, I've always been told water polo athletes are the most physically fit. When they did the statues in the LA Olympics, the bodies they used were water polo players. I mean, and they have to wear two swimsuits because the fighting and punching and gouging. They have to wear ear covers because their ears would be pulled off. It's that physical sport. And right. and I got, I watched a little of the three on three basketball. That was you know, you know the men's team from America is not in it, but the women's team I watched them play Russia last night, and it was fascinating. It's, it's so much different than basketball in general. It, it's again badminton. 
I mean, it was the last time I watched Batman on TV. <laughs> but it's it's unique to the skill. Now, I watched the skating, I can't the skateboarding. I can't understand a thing about. I mean, I look, <laughs> Tony, Tony Hawk said you won't get the differences because it's the footwork and the tricks, but you'll know when someone's done something right. It's kind of like gymnastics. I can't tell the good or bad unless they flop. Yeah, and everybody loves watching gymnastics, and the U.S. didn't start out so strong. But I think as you know, American sports fans, we're so locked in usually for NFL and NBA and baseball and hockey and now soccer more. But I like watching these different sports, and um, I like the highlights because I get to see interviews with like some guy from uh, Georgia, you know, the former U.S. SR country, you know, part of that, and how he was feeling after a match. It's just really fun. And then judo was on, and like, and taekwondo, and like, these guys are kicking each other so hard. It was like, wait a second, this is the whole world here. And it was really fun. So, you know, as you say, US really dominates in some sports, and we sort of just expect them to always win, like swimming. They've already won six medals, and softball, we're pretty much sure they're going to win that. But one sport that we sort of have a love-hate relationship in the Olympics is basketball. Uh, and the U.S. basketball team lost to France. Now, folks, you know that France has some NBA players already. But, Ernest, did you see this coming? Yeah. I mean, they blew a seven-point lead with four minutes remaining in the game. I watched the games uh, against Nigeria, Australia uh, earlier, uh, and th- this team will not get the gold. Uh, they may medal, but they're not going to get the gold. I mean, the construct of the team is just just off. I'm tired of, of announcers saying, a team of all-stars. No, there's maybe four all-stars on this team. Keon Johnson is not an all-star. Keon Johnson doesn't even start for the Spurs. So this is not – Zach Levine is not an all-star, okay? I mean, yeah, Lillard is uh, and Durant and Booker are all-stars. Damon – Green is a iffy all-star, but no, this is this is not the best players in the NBA. This is not the best American players in the NBA. Plus the fatigue factor we've been talking about this last year with the podcast about how NBA had such a short turnaround between the bubble and this last season, and now they have a short turnaround to the Olympics. It just looks like a recipe for just losing. And do you blame it on Popovich at all? No, it's it's kind of the players he's been dealt with. It's, it's ironic, the game against France, for the last six years, uh, NBA basketball has been playing international style, small ball. You know, uh, four guys around the perimeter, someone drives, pitches out, you shoot a three-pointer. And France came out and played NBA old-style basketball. They put two seven-footers in the lane and just dominated rebounding and took the inside away. And I've, I've seen this happen in the loss to Nigeria and in, in, in all three of the losses. They get a lead in the third quarter. They fall behind. And when they get behind, all they do is one pass to shoot three-pointers. And they miss. Yeah. And I mean, they're just, they're just, there's no ball movement whatsoever. Uh, I mean, Holiday came in, I thought, played fairly well. Got a comeback to him, got him up to the seven-point lead. But he had just arrived at 1 a.m. the morning before. And him and Booker, you just tell he looks tired with his shot and everything. But, again, Holiday's not an all-star. 
I wish they quit saying a team of all-stars. They're a team of American NBA players. They're not all-stars. But most Americans expect, since we created the sport, yada, yada, we should win it every year. But when you think of LeBron and Steph not playing, um, and Giannis, who just won the NBA, which we'll get talked about in a little bit, he would be playing for the Greek team. Is he playing for the Greek team? No, he's not playing for the Greek yeah, team. Yeah, it's just too much. I don't think they've qualified. I don't think they're in it. Well, the big news around where I live in Michigan is that Germany made it, and Mo Wagner, who played for uh, Michigan and it's in the NBA, sort of bouncing around right now, had some really great games to get them qualifying in it. And I like seeing the unexpected stories of the Olympics. I like how they play that out. Um, the time differential is a little funky, but... Summer nights watching Olympic sports is awesome. You know, have ice cream or uh, watermelon. What kind of snack would you want to have if you're watching Olympics at night? Oh, wow. Uh, a lot of my snacks have been restricted. Uh, I love the yogurt raisins. Uh, ice cream. You can't beat ice cream. I know. Uh, really? Right. Uh, yeah. Ice cream just ice cream in summer. Or, or, you know, the staple, it's, you want America to win, so you want a piece of apple pie a la mode. Ooh, you know, ice cream there you on. go. Be American, yes. It's supported with a pie that comes from Germany <laughs> <laughs> with ice cream from another country. No. Uh, yeah, I will, apple pie a la mode. There you go. That's the perfect Olympic thing. Right. I mean, we have globalized the sport, and now we regret it. We don't dominate it. I mean, that's the quality of the NBA is so much better than it was in the 70s and 80s, and that's because you have guys like Giannis playing. Uh, you know, it's 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 the better. I mean, that's it. But we don't get it as a birthright. Again, the men's three-on-three team didn't qualify. You would think you could get three guys from the the, the NBDL, or you know, <laughs> you get them to play on that. But, Talent is everywhere. It's not going to be the end of the world if we don't win. I remember Larry Brown really was dragged through the mud when they lost in Greece in 2000. But that was, you know, Allen Iverson and, and, and Anthony. It was a very selfish team. This team, I just think, is not constructed well. I mean, your your center is, is Bam Abobayo, and that's it. That's your height. Right. Yeah, well, and, and Durant... Trent's he's so tall, but so skinny. He's not a closer. No. I mean, he just doesn't go inside. He shoots threes. He doesn't go inside. They don't have anyone to rebound. It's just a – and, you know, they lost guys because of COVID. Uh, Kevin Love, who could have gotten some veteran leadership, you know, he, he – physically, he, he had to jump out. They lost two other players that I know of. And it's, it's just, a, again, the fatigue of the season – these guys just finished playing the playoffs three weeks ago. Right. They're, they're wore out. Well, keeping the world theme Olympics, you know, the number one sport in the world is soccer. And number two is basketball. There's no doubt in my mind that's number two. People love it everywhere because all you need is a ball and a hoop and uh, some space to do it. Uh, while NFL is so, so huge here, that NFL is just sort of a spectator sport practically everywhere else. And speaking about basketball... Before you went on vacation, you were saying that, you know, unless the Bucks coach starts to get his head out of his butt, they're going to lose this because you can't keep on having Giannis try to keep on forcing his way to the hoop. And sure enough, 
The big difference was he started throwing, not throwing, but setting picks up high and doing more pick and rolls and things like that. And it's helped Middleton to get off. It helped Suns look at a disadvantage. And as you look at it, what was the key moment in this series when it really turned to the Bucks? I well, of course, when they won the game in Phoenix. Uh, but but you know, game five was a big difference. But you really got to look at the third game because it looked like they were going to get swept. And all year long, they've camped Janice out at three-point lane and either fakes a three-pointer, takes a three, or tries to drive through five guys. And all you got to do is post him up. And a bootnoser finally woke up. I think enough people were screaming, that what are you trying to do, your coaching style? I think Holiday came in also. I think Holiday did an underrated job. Now, you're going to say – that, that Booker did a pretty good job in scoring average and all that. But I think Holiday tired him out and gave some defensive skills there, even though the points don't show it that much. And that game six was historical. 50 points, uh, six block shots, 15 rebounds. You, you'll never see that. I mean, that's that's I think it was like the third time ever that it happened. I mean, and the joy, I, I like it when these games were won at home. Yeah. Games at home because it's just, the atmosphere is just fantastic in that respect. But you saw, you saw, and we talked a little bit before the series, the key was going to be whose bench was going to step up. Bobby Portis had a great game six. And he was an instigator on defense in that same respect. And so you had guys coming off the bench for the Bucks, and I think that kind of turned the tide in that respect. I also think you know, Aiden is is going to be a serviceable center, but but he he couldn't stop Giannis, and, and again he had two seven footers that he was having to face. Yeah. yeah, I mean you know in Game Six when it was tight within three points. And he got five fouls. And they're sending Frank Kaminsky out there. I knew it was, <laughs> I knew it was all over. Spoken like a bitter Hornets fan that you are. Well, I mean, I like Frank. He's a great college player, but he does not. He's not a center. He's a power forward, and he's a great passing power forward. And he can give and go very well, but he can't physically stop anybody. I think the Suns wore out too, and I think Giannis is the you know he has more skills like lebron than durant i think durant has always wanted to prove that he's just as good as lebron and he gets chances and he can't do it you know he he got a championship with golden state because he's that was basically steph's team and he knew it so he goes away and says i'm gonna play you know and show everybody but he can't he can't do it can't do with olympic team Giannis is an interesting dude. I mean, to to go for being, oh, he's a pretty good player and maybe he'll be great, to really committing to be physically as good as he is. I mean, other players have sort of put him down. There was a story online about how Giannis was sort of disappointed that when Kobe was around, he challenged like 10 players in the NBA to take the, you know, the Mamba challenge, and uh, Giannis didn't get the challenge. And so he texted uh, Kobe says, where's my challenge? And so Kobe sort of took a step back and says, okay, I need to challenge this guy too. So I like seeing a guy who really has applied himself, who's doing it for the right reasons. And 50 years is a long time to wait for, you know. 
I actually remember the last one. So, and, and 50 years ago, they made a team that no longer exists. That's how long ago it was. <laughs> how old are you? Yes, it was a sweep against the Baltimore Bullets. And I was a Bullets fan. I attended their games, and yeah. uh, that was a hard one for so me to go. Maybe uh, we need to have a segment. How old are you? I am so old. Uh, no, I, am I remember so old that. that when we went swimming today in the lake, Lake Michigan, when I announced I was going to go swimming, they pulled out two life preservers and had them by the side of the boat just in case I needed them. That's well, I was, I in the previous segment, I was going to say, I mean, Olympics, I remember, Summer Olympics. And out of the 32 Olympics, I remember 15. Yeah. I'm 64, Tokyo. Is you the remember first those Olympics, but do you remember what you did last week? Now that might, yeah, it was in the mountains. All of right. So that, that, that leads to the next segment. We're just clicking them off here. So Ernest remembers the first Space Jam, and he's got grandsons now, so he went to the new Space Jam. So get on your best uh, Cisco and Ebert hats, and if you don't know who they are, you are too young. All right, Ernest, give us a review of new Space Jam. I was, I was, and okay, I went in with very low expectations, okay, because I love the first one, uh, and, and, you know, because you had... Muggsy Bowes and Larry Johnson, Patrick Ewing, Bill Murray, uh, Wayne Knight, uh, Newman from uh, Seinfeld, who's his agent. Newman. Uh, yes, it was. It played a lot on Michael Jordan's leaving basketball to play baseball. Uh, it was, like I said, I, I liked it. The idea is really when the Looney Tunes were being reintroduced. So I had low expectations and this was entirely different this was more like the movie ready player one it was not so much animation even though lebron is animated for most of the movie it was more of uh, a computer universe because they have all these icons uh they go through the matrix uh they have uh they, uh, uh, you have King Kong in the crowd, you have the Flintstones, you have Batman, you have the Joker, you have Neo from the Matrix, you have all these Warner Brother uh, uh, properties, uh, characters and actors in the background. Now, there are, now I'm not going to ruin it, but there are two fantastic uh, cameos that Bill Murray, really, Bill Murray. No, no, I can tell it. Can we tell him and just? All know? right. If you don't want to hear, just shut us down for five, ten seconds. All right, ten go seconds. Ahead. I'll make real fast. Okay. The first one is Rick and Morty, uh, which is a favorite of mine, and the second is 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 Michael Jordan. Nice. Not that Michael. Michael A. Michael B. Jordan. Oh my God. Okay, so we'll come they back. Go in, they go in the crowd and they look for him and they bring him in. They play the music. Uh, from the Chicago Bulls, and he shows <laughs> up, and he makes jokes about Friday. You know, he was in Friday Night Lights yeah. the TV series. Yeah, yeah. He makes references to that. So it's a cute little cameo. You can return now. It is safe. But uh, those were pretty good. But there, there were themes of a father l- losing his child to electronic influence, being more interested in in video and computers, than the love of his father, which is basketball. Mm. So it was, it was, like I said, it wasn't as good as the first one, but uh, on a scale of one to 10, I give it a five. 
All right. Well, if you're going to do that review, I'm going to give a review of Loki. Um, okay. So we both love Mandalorian, and that's the old spaghetti western um, with all the references to Star Wars mythology. And it was great. I love both seasons. And so when Loki came out, I was like, well, I really didn't like the Winter Soldier and the Falcon. That was uh, I wasn't thrilled about that. And I didn't even try watching WandaVision. Come on. So when Loki came out, I thought, well, I'll give it one try. Oh, my goodness. The very first 10 minutes, I was hooked. I've never said this about a movie before, but I love the set design. The set design is so well thought out and so cool and so retro and funny all at the same time. And I can't, I'm not going to explain it further because you need to watch it for yourself. And um, it, Loki, it's just a wonderful concept and it will, it will make you think. It'll, it's weird. It's kooky. Uh, has a lot to do with time travel and um, idea of timelines and free will and a lot of some deep concepts that I like to talk about sometimes. And I got my wife to watch it, and we watched all six. And then she goes, well, that wasn't satisfying. And I said, you know, <laughs> he he was signed for two years, and he's an executive producer. They're not going to – they're going to keep it as, you know – you know, as much tension as they can at the end of the first year, and then they'll come back again. But it was like watching a movie every episode. And I would, I, I'm going to say The Mandalorian was great in its own way. I would say Mandalorian as a TV show is like eight and a half or nine. It was just amazing. And I think this is right at it for, for different reasons. And if you like anything about uh, Marvel Universe and you like the concept, like, how does this really work out? You know, you try to take something that's fiction and put a little bit of reality to it. But anyways, that's my review of Loki. The chemistry between Tom Huddleston and Owen Wilson. Oh, great. Awesome. Is some of the best since maybe what? Lethal Weapon or Butch Cassidy and his Sundance Kid. It's just great chemistry. The female lead does a great job also. Yeah. Uh, but there, and there are a lot of little parts. It actually sets up two or three other Marvel movies. Yes. With, with Kang the Carcar. And that's not spoiling too much. Because most people know they were going to have Kang the Conqueror in the uh, in the next uh, Doctor Strange movie and in the next Ant Man movie, so it, it kind of divulges. But you know that's the joy I like about the TV series Rick and Morty because that's talking about multiple universes and and the possibilities in that. Now they do it at a very absurdist comedic value. I mean it's it's very R rated. Okay, it's not a kids show. By no means whatsoever. You're talking about Morty. You're not talking about Loki now. No, I'm talking about Rick and Morty. Yeah. And that's which I've the appeal. Never seen. Of, which is also the appeal of multiple universes and all the. You know, it used to be time travel used to be a big thing in science fiction. And of late, it's becoming, and I think the Into the Spider Verse uh, animated yes, movie kind of was the first one to lean into that as a, as a Marvel uh, uh, feature. And I think you're seeing more and more of that. The next uh, Spider-Man movie, live-action Spider movie, that's coming out in Christmas time, is leaning into that with multiple Spider-Man again. They're going to they're already filming a Into the Spider-Verse Part Two, and the next uh, Flash movie is, is leaning on multiple universes. Also, you know, with time travel movies, you can always take somebody who's died and bring them back too. That's what they like about it. They well, can't... but you, but there's rules to it. With is time travel rules? movies, yeah, hey, we're getting a little nerdy the, here, but we're well, this is the grandfather paradox. You know about that. 
The idea if you go back in time and killed your grandfather, you won't exist. Right, yeah, is the sequential consequences. Which they talked about in the last uh, Avengers movie. Right. Comedically, because they mentioned Hot Tub Time Machine, in which uh, actually one of the actors was in Hot Tub Time Machine. Bucky was in it. Oh, was he? I didn't yeah. know that. That was the inside joke in that, that they made fun of that in that response. But, uh, I mean, it, it again, I saw a little bit of WandaVision. It didn't click. Uh, you're right. We talked about Winter Soldier was just, it, it was a rote type of, you know, it, it seemed like we ha- it had to be done rather than something. It, there was no joy in it, really, whatsoever. Yeah. And these, the, the two, the Mandalorian and and Loki, there was a lot of joy, and everybody in it seemed to be having a great time. Oh yeah, it they was... just they just ate up their roles and ate up their parts, and it was references to obscure Marvel, uh, like Frog Thor in it. There's obscure minor parts that unless you're a nerd like myself, you wouldn't have picked up on. No, they took the time and the energy to make an really awesome story. And that's why the set design really played in that too. But enough about all that. Can I get another quick review about a book? A book? Who reads books? Yeah. Oh, books. It's called Glory Days. Just came out. Uh, L. John Wortham did it. He used to be a writer for Sports Illustrated. He basically concentrates on the summer of 1984. Do you realize what happened in the summer of 1984? Uh, Tigers had a good year. They won. The World Series. Tigers won. Uh, The movies Ghostbusters, Gremlins, Karate Kid came out. And The Natural. Yeah. Uh, Wayne Gretzky won his first NHL title. Magic Johnson and Larry Bird faced each other in the finals for the first time. The 84 Olympics. The... uh, one uh, USA album comes out. Uh, Purple Rain comes out at the same time. Material Girl comes out at the same time. The first family computer Macintosh comes out. VCRs reached the general market at that time. That was the last point of the highest sales of newspapers ever. The decline of newspaper sales have started since summer. All this in 90 days. All of this in 90 days. So you're saying we Ted, went through Ted, a lot of change. A lot of change. Ted Turner had an opportunity to buy ESPN and WWE wrestling at that time. Turned <laughs> both of them down. Oh, Ted. 90 days. He was days. distracted by and, Jan, Jane Fonda at that point. And the 84 Olympics in Los Angeles. Yes. The most profitable Olympics of all time. Right. And that meant the explosion nationally of one Michael Jeffrey Jordan. The first Jordan shoes were sold summer of 1984. He went into the draft. Him, Charles Barkley, entered the NBA that year. I mean, 90 days, all this happened. I graduated from college in 84. See, there you go. Also in summer of 84, LeBron James was born. All this in 90 days. It's a fascinating book. And a lot of our listeners weren't alive at that time. But for those of us who were, such as you and myself, I don't think we really comprehended how dynamic those 90 days were. And I'm probably leaving something out that happened in that period of time. I think the the, the Bears? Yeah, that was the beginning Super of the Bears. Bowl shuffle. Yeah, Super Bowl Shuffle. It's when the Cubs actually made it to the National League Series. Championship for the first time since 
45. I lost to the Padres, who lost to the Tigers. Wow. That okay, was the, that's a nice that book was, review. That was the great start of so, uh, Sparky Anderson. So they can get this on Amazon and you get a little money if every time? No, no money. It's just a fascinating, it's one of those books that you, you finish. It's just, if if you're of a certain age, and that's me. Old. Old. It, it reminds you of what you've lived through and how the world has changed so much. It was the first time, it's when ESPN was bought by Capital City, when Ted Turner turned it down. Mm. So you had that synergy with ABC and ESPN. You had the first real national sports network, even though ESPN went on board in 1979, 84 is when it became part of the cultural phenomenon in that respect. Okay, there you go. Um you can get books on tape if you yeah. don't read, okay? All right. that, that, not on tape. Audiobooks, yeah. sorry. We'll get back to sports age. here a little bit here. All right, sorry. So yeah, no, about it's, sports. it's good. I have, a, sports. I have another question about the Marvel Universe you made me think about, but I think that we got to go up a whole other show with that. And last week we put up a Boys of Summer baseball podcast because – Part of the confusion was on vacation. So you can go back and listen to that. We talked about the All-Star Game, the Home Run Derby, uh, Otani, and we had a lot of fun with it. But, Ernest, I have a question for you. The NFL came out and said, listen, we're going to require everybody to be vaccinated. If you're not vaccinated and a game is not played because you're, you have COVID, then you will lose your money and you'll be suspended. Um so, is NFL being too heavy-handed, or is this realistic? No, I mean, they have to do this, A, because of the agreement with the Players Association. They can't force them to get a vaccination. So, the only way to ensure that not only the players are safe, but the coaches and the peripheral personnel, the sports staff, everyone who comes in contact with the players, this is the only way to put the fear of God in them. I mean, this is a precautionary major. Now, of course, we don't have mandatory shots unless you have certain jobs. And that's if you don't have a union representing you and it's considered a requirement for that particular job. We have requirements for jobs all the time. To be a driver truck, you got a CDL, okay? Uh, you can't use, you take a drug test. You can't take, can't use certain drugs or drink excessively because that affects your performance. This disease, this pandemic and its variations such as the Delta variant affects the ability to do your job and it puts others at risk. So now NFL, no, this ain't no more different than agreed upon certain drugs that you can't take that you can be suspended for, for PEDs. So they're tested for that. So no, I, don't, I have no problem with it whatsoever. Now, people have a choice and, you know, Coaches who are not covered by a player's agreement, that are employees of the teams, which in agreement with the league, there have been two coaches, one for the Vikings, one for the Patriots, that uh, turned down taking the vaccination and have stepped away from their jobs. They will not be paid. Uh, no complaints. They've accepted this. They have not challenged it in court. Uh, again, this is a billion-dollar industry, and... Uh, do I think we'll see a situation where a game is suspended because there's COVID's gone rapid in the roster? No, you got tax squads, you got backup, you got players. They can bring in more players, but the players themselves will not get paid if they test positive and they haven't had a vaccination. 
and that is the right of the NFL, or for that matter, if the NHL or the NBA or any other or Major League Soccer decide to do this, that they can pull it off. I mean, we're, we're dealing with something. We're dealing with a pandemic, and it's better to be overcautious than undercautious. Yet, most of America thought the pandemic was winding down, almost done. And even when the Delta variant was sort of brought up, most people said, oh, it's not that big a deal. We're open now for business. You know, no more masks. If you're vaccinated, you're good. And quietly, the people who haven't been vaccinated sort of said, oh, we're good now, too. And they've been going along. Yet, you know, I work for a healthcare industry and I got vaccinated back last December. And um, my healthcare agency is requiring everybody to be vaccinated for the, some of the reasons you've mentioned, like, hey, we're here for the common good of the people coming in for our care. You can't, we don't want somebody coming in for a gallbladder to be worried they're going to get COVID. You know, their needs are the number one needs we have. We are here to serve the customer. And if you want to have a religious exception or a medical exception to this, that's fine. But you can't just play, you know, go under the radar and pretend it's not going to hurt or help any. You know, it's, it makes a difference. And um, you know, the statistics prove out that everybody who's getting the Delta variant, like ninety nine percent of the people who are in the hospitals with a Delta variant, are people who did not get vaccinated. Um, and so, common sense makes why don't people get it? You know, I think it's because they hope herd immunity is going to be okay, or they downplay it's not going to happen to me because I'm young. Um, all those things. So it's going to affect other sports. I'm just curious if NFL is making these steps, how long before other sports start doing it? I know that baseball is about ready to go into negotiations, and I bet this is going to be part of it as well. Well, the problem with baseball as opposed to the other big four, the other three sports, is baseball has always used everything as a negotiation tool, cravenly, uh, because... The reason they went in with this, the the no tolerance for any type of fluids on the hands, no tackiness, was not so much that they were upset about the strikeouts. It was something they could use as a negotiating tool when they come through. Wow, you sound pretty cynical here. It's baseball. I mean, that's always been what baseball has done. More than the NFL. I mean, the NFL's pretty much rolled over their union ever since the last strike because they have a highly disposable personnel group because their period of playing, I mean, average careers less than three years. And because there's an oversupply of adequate football talent that does not make the team. That's why we get startup leagues all the time. Uh, NBA has always had a very enlightened approach and they've worked as a partnership. The NHL, uh, they took a year off, so they pretty much scared the personnel. That uh, Again, baseball is the only one where both of them are trying, rather than negotiating for something that, that serves the fans, they're both looking for economic uh, leverage over the other one. And they will use everything from additional playoff teams to uh, rules to uh, – flights, the length of the period of the season, everything is a negotiation. There's so much mistrust. Uh, I think there will, I mean, because I'm pretty sure the the players, the owners will lock out the players at the beginning of spring training next year. I wouldn't be entirely shocked if, if as stupidly as how 
canceling the World Series in in '94, damaged the reputation of baseball. If we don't see a shortened season next year, there's just so much animus between the management and the players right now. Right, I think that's really possible as well, and it'll be interesting to see how the NBA comes back with more rest and if LeBron has a championship still left in him. By the way, how was LeBron's acting? I mean, Jordan didn't even try to act, really. In, in Oh, LeBron's LeBron. It's, you can tell. His, uh, the lady who plays Sonya Green, who plays in uh, Star Trek uh, uh, Enterprise, not Enterprise, but the latest Star Trek series. Yes, Captain. Yeah, I mean, she's an actress. You can tell that. I mean, there's a big difference. And Don Cheadle who eats up the scenery. I mean, Don Cheadle goes full ham. I mean, he just, he knows he's in a kid's movie and he, he is the, he is the adversary and he just goes hard. I mean, Cheadle's usually a very reserved, controlled, you can see temper controlled actor. Yeah. He just goes for it here. So yeah, LeBron's being LeBron. Uh, it's, it's one of the actors, one of the the guy that plays his son is not his son, but his other son is in there, and you know you you can tell the difference. But you're there to see King Kong and Bugs Bunny and and the the Matrix and all the other characters from Warner Brothers, the Animaniacs. You want to see them? <laughs> you want to see Pinky in the Brain? That's what you're there for. But did he take any NBA players and convert them into you know cartoons or uh, yeah, monsters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 Ad is in it. Uh, so is um, uh, Thompson. Uh, Clay Thompson. The, Clay Thompson from the Warriors. So you have to date a Kardashian to be in this movie. I guess so, and they make them cartoon characters. Sure. So you don't yeah. really recognize them that much. Because, but but that's that's and uh, Ernie Johnson from TNT is calling it with uh, Rev Howie, who's a comedian. I don't know why they brought him in. But uh, like I said it's 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 fun little thing. It's not something you're going to study on five minutes later. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's not going to change your life. It's, it's a cute little cartoony thing that it's you know, and this is becoming increasingly rare these days. It is something that parents can sit down with their children and watch, and parents aren't going to be bored, and the kids aren't going to have too much over their head. It's a good popcorn movie. Yeah, it's good popcorn. You know, again. Nowadays, there are not a lot of movies. That, that, first of all, there are not a lot of movies, period. But there are not a lot that kids can watch with their parents. And, and the parents won't be bored halfway through it. All right. Well, we're going to do one more topic, and then we're going to wrap it up for today. Ernest is a big Atlanta Braves fan. Um, it's my third favorite baseball team. My first one's the Tigers. Second one's the Red Sox. Third one's Atlanta because I lived in Atlanta for uh, three years and met my wife down there. But Freddie Freeman... Went 108 at bats where he didn't miss the ball. He didn't have a strike on him. He always either made contact or, you know, he was out. So that's a pretty amazing stat that, you know, in this day and age of strikeouts, that he could watch the ball that well. Do you think it's possible, Ernest, that if we had a change of philosophy, players could actually be putting the ball in play more? you think it's just a mentality? Free agent to be, Freddie Freeman. Fascinating because I watch a lot of Braves games is uh, he very often will, with the shift, he's a left-handed batter, will cut his swing down and hit the left field. 
he, you know, everybody screams that that's the easiest way to deal with the shift. Well, he actually does it. He doubles that way. Nice. So he, he can control it. I mean, this guy is, Atlanta's always been blessed with the singular characters. And, you know, Dale, Dale Murphy, Henry Aaron, you know, Chipper had a very rough personal life, but he is beloved in Atlanta. And it's it's the same with Fred with Freeman. You know, he's a free agent, and I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to back up the truck for him. But he's been this. It's hard to say underrated because he was the MVP last year, and he had a rough start at the beginning of the year. But discipline now. Now we don't know the stats of what Teddy Williams and Joe DiMaggio did, particularly in the '41 season when DiMaggio had the 56 game hitting streak got stopped in one game, then reeled off 16 more straight games with <laughs> hits. Or the fact that Ted Williams came up to the last doubleheader of the season, batting 400, and was told by his manager he could sit down and said, I ain't winning the title sitting down, and went six for eight and uh, finished with a 406 batting average. So, you know, it, it's hard. We don't have access to all the numbers of what hitters like him and George Sisler and guys like that did but it is it it has been a pleasure i've I've been blessed to live in areas to see singular talents like the the four i just mentioned and and brooks and frank robinson and 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 baseball and uh, dick allen when i lived in the uh the philadelphia and baltimore area it's amazing to watch these talented guys and it's always afterwards you realize Wow, I'm I'm seeing history in that respect. It, it's it's kind of like Luke Keekley, who I got to see play for the Panthers. You know they're great, but the greatness really doesn't hit you until after the gone. It's the same with Freddie. I mean, he's well, just he is the epitome of consistency. So you've we've seen Wayne Gretzky play hockey. Yes, we've seen both of us seen Larry Bird and Magic Johnson play basketball. Um. I've seen uh, famous Tigers over the years, but they're not all, besides Al Kaline, they're not all top-name ones. Of all the great players you've ever seen, who was your favorite great player that you saw in person? The most dominant player. I'll go with the besides, most dominant. Was it Michael Jordan? Well, Michael Jordan's my favorite, but he's not the most dominant. It's Wayne Gretzky's the most dominant. you got to realize Wayne Gretzky had two seasons where he had 200 points. No one else has had over 120 points. Yeah. You could take away all the goals that he scored, <laughs> and he would still be the leader in all-time points, just with his assists. And he was the most unathletic player you can ever see. He was probably 170, 160 pounds. He was barely six feet, but he had this innate sense. Uh, you look at the, 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 the number – he – by age 21, he already had 56 NHL records. Yeah, the game slowed I mean, down for him, uh, just like they say I, about I, Jordan other people. That's it. I mean, but Jordan had, Jordan had great players that he was facing. I mean, there really was a wealth of talent at that time. Uh, and, but the debate comes up, you know, LeBron or MJ. There's no Gretzky debate, okay? There's nobody else. Not even close, I know. No, I mean, it's just the numbers are just stunning in that respect. And yeah, he's the most dominant professional athlete of all time is Wayne Gretzky. There you go. I can say that safely. Nice. 
All right, Ernest, you've been on vacation, you've been relaxing, so you're not up to speed totally with sports yet, but you got your, <laughs> your final two minutes here? Oh, uh, take a vacation. Do you know Americans, on average, take fewer vacations than any industrial nation in, in the world? I'm not just pulling that out of my head. That's a, You can look it up. Or as I say, Google it. Uh, we have access to more vacation time. We use less of it. France closes down for the month of July. They close the doors. They get rid of the baguettes. They chain up the Eiffel Temporal. They lock up the Louvre. They drain the water from, from Monaco. This is another country. I know. Don't be technical. But we are so driven and, and goal-oriented. Uh, you know, take a break. Turn off the phone. Turn off the computer. After you listen to the podcast, of course. <laughs> uh, and uh, enjoy the nature. I was in a location without a phone, without a computer, and I could listen to the cicadas and the owls and the geese, and it was gaze at a mountain, and it was just more good than a thousand therapists. It truly, truly was. So if, if you're lucky enough to be employed, congratulations, but use that vacation time. Okay, because if you don't, you lose it. Because if you don't, I mean, here, everybody else at work takes their vacation. Take a break. Uh, record this podcast so you have some entertainment. During uh-huh. the okay? Plug away. Uh, take your vacation time. Okay? Yeah. Yep. I agree wholehearted. Um, take your vacation. I know a bunch of people have a lot of vacation built up because of COVID and different reasons. And um, I think it's great that we're reevaluating what we want to do in life and how much time. And often it's not the really ton- very expensive things that make me the happiest, like you're saying. It's just slowing down, hanging out with family, and uh, having a good hot dog and ice cream in the middle of summer. I mean, that's about as good as it gets. It doesn't matter how much money you have. You could buy all the hot dogs in the world, but if you don't have it with some people you care about, that's what really counts. And I would say my last minute is go to a baseball game. Just get out there. Enjoy it. It's not going to last too long this fall. You're going to be like, ah, oh, I didn't go to that game I wanted to go to. Go to a game. All right. For Ernest Watts, this is Paul Arnold. If you have any questions, comments, critiques, or great ideas for future podcasts, email me at gobluearnold at gmail.com, and we'll listen to you. And we hope that you have a great night and go out and see a game.